Father, I am praying today, God, for a fresh fire of your Holy Spirit to burn again, Lord, in the churches in the deep south in Louisiana, Lord, who can take back things for the kingdom of God and stand fast for our families, our marriages, our children, our communities. And God, we're just here today to say, Lord, let us hear your voice. Fill us again in Jesus' name. If you're with me, somebody say amen. 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 We're talking about timeless testaments today. Uh, Turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the story of Samuel. And we're going to talk about hearing God's voice. Hearing God's voice. Uh, You know, hearing voices in the world is normally a bad thing, right? Uh, I don't know if you deal with that or not, or if you're on medication for it or anything like that. But normally in America, if I say I was hearing voices... I would probably be met by somebody at my door. The sheriff's department would come, take me in, do a a uh, 72-hour watch on me and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But it's normally a bad thing. Uh, But what about in the church? What about hearing God's voice? You know, oftentimes I think, you know, I've grown up in church. I've grown up in a conservative Christian background, grown up uh, in the Midwest and in the Bible Belt. And oftentimes, even in the most... Uh, spiritual places, sometimes we get into this mode of thinking, well, you know, I've got the Bible, I've got my pastor, I've got my church, I've got my small group leader. You know, I, I don't know that I've heard God's voice uh, like maybe the people in the Bible did, or maybe the, like the pastor does. I don't know if I hear God's voice like the pastor does, or like that evangelist does, or maybe, uh, maybe it was just a one-time thing, or maybe God just showed up and you're like, oh, that one time. Uh, what I'm finding in my life is while I believe the Bible is the chief authority, that is the, the background, the backbone, the foundation for all uh, knowledge, for truth, for a foundation of doctrine, moral conduct, how the church should behave, how I should raise my kids, uh, there is nothing that will disagree with the Bible in my life. That is, that is, that is, that is where I, every voice, every, every pastor, everything, every church, I'm going to go back to Scripture. Amen? You with me? But if I think about how the early church it modeled themselves, while they didn't have Scripture at that time, they had the words of the apostle, the tradition of, of what they had heard. Uh, they had the Old Testament. But even Moses, who writ, wrote most of the beginning parts of the Old Testament, what did he have? He had the Spirit of God, the voice of God, speaking to him, bringing revelation that never contradicted itself. And, and even the early church in the book of Acts, they all uh, they didn't have what we have today. They had to rely on the Spirit of God. And sometimes... Uh, while we don't negate Scripture and we want to stand on Scripture, and Scripture, uh, I, I can't emphasize, emphasize it enough, it is, the, it is the written Word of God passed down from generation, and it will never disagree with itself, and it should never disagree. Uh, any voice that comes in the world, they will never disagree with it that is of God. But at the same time, I don't want to say, well, I've got this piece of paper here, and I've got my pastor there. I don't need to hear from God anymore, Right? That's not where I'm at. And I can tell you in my life, uh, if I had not heard from God in many times in my life, I would not be where I'm at today. There have been times in my life where God has spoke to me uh, and, 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 uh, and He has uh, validated things I've read in Scripture to my heart. There's been times where I've had a gentle whisper or an impression 
uh, where just I sensed something that I didn't really know what it was, but I knew it wasn't me. There's been times where God has come upon me and my heart started beating and there's thoughts in my mind that I didn't put there. And I knew that there was something weird and I had to take a leap of faith and act on it and go talk to somebody across the room or, or give a prophetic word or, or speak to someone out on the street corner. And I didn't want to do it, but I felt like I was supposed to for some reason. I, I interpreted that as the voice of God. There's been times in my life where I have been praying and I have just fell flat on my face, weeping uncontrollably and just received a vision from God. There's been times in my life where I have woken up in the middle of night with the dream from the Lord that has helped me engage my Christian walk in a lot, lot better. And there's been times I've received things from pastors and friends and elders who've spoken things into my life. And I say that was of the Lord for me. It identifies with Scripture and it identifies with what I feel in my heart. Anybody with me know what I'm talking about this morning? I think we still need to hear the voice of God today to make it through the daily walk of a Christian. Amen? Uh, and so I need spirit uh, to uh, validate and bring to life the Word of God. But if I would look across uh, the biblical worldview or the uh, the Bible Belt today, so I think so many are spiritually famished uh, without even knowing it. Sometimes we uh, can grow deaf and, and dumb to the things of God. And Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That it was more than just reading the words of the page. It was more than just hearing things that Jesus said. There had to be a spiritual reception of it. There had to be a spiritual revelation of it. And so this morning... I want to talk to you because I believe God is speaking to young people. I believe he's speaking to lay people. That means non-professional pastors. He's speaking to all people who will put on his righteousness, who will humbly minister uh, in his body, the church, and who will keep the fire of the Holy Spirit burning. He wants to do some amazing things in your life. If you'll just put yourself in a position to hear from God. Amen. So let's talk about that position. They turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Let me give you the background. There was this time in Israel's history, the people of God, and it was called the days of the judges. And in the days of the judges, when Moses and Joshua and all these great men who'd heard and seen God's glory personally had died off, Israel was left in a place that all we had was the written stuff. All we had was the Old Testament that Moses wrote. Uh, and it ended up becoming, because they could not follow, they did not hear the voice of God. Nobody was hearing God speak anymore. Nobody was seeing the manifest presence of God anymore. They had all turned to idolatry, and every man, the Bible says, did what was right in his own eyes. They had Scripture, but because there was no spiritual revelation and there was no spiritual awakening, they did what they thought was right as best as they could. Many of them fell off into idolatry. And in this day, there's a high priest named Eli. And judgment is coming to Israel. Judgment is even coming to the high priest in his house because Eli has grown weak as an old man. He's grown blind as an old man. But spiritually speaking, he's also grown weak and blind. And his sons have been some of the most morally corrupt priests that they had ever seen since the time of Moses. And they had corrupted the priesthood. But yet there was a young boy from the story of Hannah that was dedicated to the Lord as an infant, as a toddler. And he, the Spirit of the Lord was growing upon Sam, uh, Samuel. That's his name, Samuel. 
uh, and he would begin to hear the voice of the Lord. He would be called a Nazarite. And the Bible says in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and 21 and 26 that he was growing in favor with the Lord. So that's the setting of this context. Let's look at this uh, chapter here. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent, and it happened at the time that Eli was lying down in his place. He's on his bed. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim, and he couldn't see well, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. But Samuel was lying down in the temple. That really would be the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was. The temple wasn't built till Solomon. So this is the established tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And the Lord called Samuel. And he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. That's very important right there. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, for it shall be if he calls you that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he laid down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel, which both ears, everyone who hears it will tingle. And that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew. Because his sons brought a curse upon themselves, he did not rebuke them. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by a sacrifice or an offering forever. So Samuel, that's a heavy word about his, his person he's working for here. Samuel lays down until morning. Then he opens the doors of the house of the Lord. Think about that for a second. Opens the doors of the house of the Lord. But Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. And Eli called Samuel and said, My son, here I am. And he said, What is the word that God spoke to you? He said, Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more if you hide it from me. And all the words that he spoke to you. So Samuel told him everything, hid nothing from him. And he says, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fail. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again. This is a very important. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. God is looking in this last day for a group of people who would put themselves in a position to hear the voice of the Lord, and then he will return to his church mightily again. We're going to talk about three things. I want to give you three things about positioning yourself to hear the word of God or the voice of God. While we have scripture, this is how we hear God moving on our hearts that will affirm and edify and build upon and and confirm this word, this holy word of God, Uh, but make it real, make it uh, revealed to us, bring a spiritual awakening to us, and even call us in to do things that maybe we wouldn't otherwise be doing. We need direction from God. But why did God speak to Samuel? Why did God speak to Samuel, and why and how will God speak to you? Number one, I'm going to give you this if you're taking notes. Number one is Samuel put on righteousness. 
Samuel put on righteousness. He was a boy. He was a teenager. But he stood apart from everyone around him. Think about this. Here's this young, uh, uh, this young lad. He's about 12, 13, somewhere in there years old. Uh, and he's growing in the Lord. But around him is a priest, an older man, who hasn't really just brought the fire of God into the people. He hasn't directed the people like he should have. He hasn't uh, chastised the people, much less his own sons like he should have. And so he's going physically blind, but l- really, spiritually speaking, he's also dimming out. He's, his spiritual light is dying away, and he is not in a season of revival whatsoever, much less seeking God for the nation and leading the nation as the high priest as he should. Then you get on the other side his sons, the guys who should be the next high priest leading the priesthood. The Bible tells us that for one side, Eli's sons were some most uh, morally corrupt men. They would, when people would bring things to the tabernacle to worship God, the priest was allotted a certain portion. And God was allotted the fat and some portion. And so what they were basically doing, just keep it simple, they would come and have their servants stick some things into that, that altar and pull out more than they should have and begin to eat God's portion of the sacrifice. And God, I mean, stealing and robbing from God. So you've got a group of uh, so-called believers robbing from God and even pushing back the people. The people say, no, I want to give this to God. And they say, no, I'm taking it. It's his mind. Evil men. I mean, God, you're going to just struck them down right then. And then on the other side, at the beginning of the temple, you, uh, the tabernacle, you had women who would serve in different areas. They were having uh, physical relations with these women in the, in, the, in the tabernacle. That's where they lived. So that's where they had relations with them. And so that was what pagans would do in the pagan society. They had temple prostitutes. And so they had mixed and compromised God's holy, reverent tabernacle with pagan ideology and religion. And the Bible says that they despised the sacrifice. And here's this young boy not falling in to what all the older people are doing around him. Think about that, what it would take. These men that he was around, they had religion, but they didn't have righteousness. And in contrast, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 18 says this. It says, Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing a linen ephod. Okay, so what does that mean? Samuel was not a priest. Samuel was not in the line of a priest. Remember, he's just some boy that his mama devoted him to be a Nazarite and said, I'm giving him the Lord. He's dedicated to the Lord. His life's the Lord. Put him in the temple. And he becomes Eli's little assistant boy. And he begins to wear priestly garments. Think about this. He's not supposed to be there. Those aren't supposed to necessarily be his robes. But he's ministering to the Lord better than every professional around him. As a boy, as a teenager, what does that mean for you and I today? He didn't just put on physical holiness and religion, but he put on spiritual holiness. He didn't compromise, but he remained holy and wholly dedicated to God. How does a teenager overcome parental absence, but then also have added negative influence? We have a lot of teenagers raising themselves today around the world. We also have here in America a lot of Christians 
They're not in good places spiritually. They're not in. They don't, we, we can look at our lives. We've got all these voices speaking into us. And this is where church should be. And this is all church can do. And church don't see signs and wonders. Church don't change its community. Churches never see healings and miracles. We've got all these voices, all these places, all these pastors preaching hyper grace. Or, or you, don't, you can just, let's talk about what your needs are. Let's not talk about the kingdom. Let's see how I can give things to you. We've got Christians that would never give to the local church, and they'll go, we'll go buy a bass boat before we'll ever tithe. And, and so, in a sense, they're robbing from God, just like these guys. And so, the moral attitude of today is not much different than back then. People stealing from God's own house. People bringing in worldly ideology into the church, bringing humanism and secularism and uh, saying, I can live however I want. God is going to bless me so long as I do this or this or be a good person. I'll go to heaven. Take a poll around America today. You're going to see the same moral depravity, but it's hidden in a very fancy, glossy shell that says we're good people. And God loves good people and good people go to heaven. Well, that's the same day Samuel lived in. But here's a young boy says that I am ministering to the Lord. And how does a person stand against the status quo of their day? How do you and I stand separate from the rest of the world that would be speaking into our lives and saying, we don't have revival. We don't need revival. We don't want revival. We don't live that way. That's old school. This is the modern age. Uh, or maybe you're a person who says, I never had moms and dads who have spoken to me. I never had a family that raised me in church. I never had a mom or dad that raised me in church. And we'd say, well, uh, you know, you want to kind of make that as an excuse. Samuel had no excuses. He didn't have a mom or dad. He didn't have all the parental influence. He didn't have all the best things that would say, here's how you should live for the Lord. Nobody was instructing him how to have revival in his life. But yet he stood determined, church, to say, I'm going to put on the holiness of God and I'm going to minister to the Lord. If you want to begin to hear from God in your life, the Bible tells us that we are to put on Jesus Christ. Romans uh, chapter 13, verse 14 says that we are to wake up out of our sins, out of the darkness of that sin. We are to take off our dirty clothes and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That means salvation. That means I exchange my filthy rags for his righteous rags, his righteous garment. And I say, Lord, I am changing my character, my outlook, my attitude. And I'm only concerned about putting on you. I'm not going to put on what so-and-so says or the spiritual temp- Maybe the spiritual temperament of your family around you is not one for prayer, is not one for faith, is not one for reading the Word. And it's the most difficult thing for some of you to read your Word because maybe you've got a spouse in your, your home. It just makes it where you just can't even hardly read your Bible. Uh, or maybe you've got a family that doesn't believe like you believe or, or whatever is going on in your life. And you say... It's hard for me to stand against the status quo. But what we are to do today is put off our old life, our old thinking, our old way of doing and feeling even, and put on something new. To put on the spirit, the presence of Jesus Christ. In these last days, so many people can fall into the sons of Eli into spiritual compromise. We can commit adultery with the things of the world. We can fall into worldly pleasures. We can even rob God of the gifts He's given for us to use in His kingdom. But what we're called to do today is, number one, if you want to hear from God, we've got to put on Jesus Christ's righteousness. Are you with me? Somebody say amen. 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 Let's not follow the crowd. Let's not have any excuses. Let's going to put on Jesus Christ. So 
Samuel, no matter what's going on around him, he says, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I have, my mom and dad dedicated me to have a vow. I have a vow to the Lord. I'm not going to eat or drink anything that God didn't want me to do. I'm not going to do anything God doesn't want me to do. I'm not going to touch what God doesn't want me to touch. I'm going to put on this priestly garment, and I'm going to serve the Lord like I ought to be somebody in Jesus Christ. I'm going to serve the Lord even if it's not my... Uh, I'm going to do things that maybe I am not even called to do. I'm going to do something for Jesus. Amen? You with me this morning? Number two, he began to minister to the Lord. Scripture repeatedly says Samuel grew in the Lord. And he ministered, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, He ministered to the Lord before Eli. That is so very important right there. He ministered to the Lord before Eli. Samuel knew his place. And even though authority, he did not agree with it per se, he respected it. He honored the way that God would exalt him. The Bible says that we would humble ourselves and in due time the Lord will lift us up. Just like David would later on humble himself to Saul until God positioned him to be used, Samuel served the high priest. He is at his beck and call. We would think that because Samuel's, uh, sorry, Eli's sons were evil, Samuel was probably the one getting in his food. He was probably helping him. He was probably uh, helping him get to his room. And that night, no doubt, Eli is half blind. Who do you think had him in bed? His wicked sons? No. Samuel probably helped get him in bed. And just the way that we hear that he calls him and he's ready at a moment's notice. Samuel just jumps up out of bed, runs to his master and says, hey, what can I do for you? What can I how can I serve you? And where is Samuel ministering? Samuel's ministering in the tabernacle. I think Samuel was one of those ones while the other guys were out there in the streets uh, going with loose women and, and stealing from God. Samuel's probably in there polishing things in the tabernacle. He's sweeping things up. He's making sure things are perfect. Eli can't do it. He's blind. He's weak. He's approaching 100 years old. And so here's this little boy. And there's nobody around that cares about the things of God except for this 13-year-old little boy. And I think he's alone in that tabernacle. And maybe they didn't even care about baking the showbread or, or making the things. And here's Samuel. He's over here. He's cleaning. He's sweeping. He's praying. He's got his little priestly robe on. You know, he's doing what God's called him to do. And he's helping the high priest. Wasn't the greatest high priest, but he was helping him. He was serving the Lord before Eli in the tabernacle. What does that mean for you and I today? We have a great high priest today worth serving. We have a high priest that is making intercession for you, the Bible says, before the Father. He is a high priest that would lay his own life down for you and did. And be continually makes intercessions for you according to his own sacrifice. And, and, and Samuel, like Samuel, do we at a, at a beck and call when Jesus is, is calling us out and that we're ready? Are we there that it's 3 a.m. in the morning, God, at any moment, feel free to wake me up. I will be and do and, and be listening for whatever you have for me to say and do. I'm going to be there, Jesus. That if my high priest calls me, I'm already, he knows we've been together all day long. And I'm going to be with him all night long. It's not a Jesus on Sunday thing. It's not a Jesus on maybe when I have a hard day thing and I, I need that extra long uh, moment with God. No, 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 no. I'm in the tabernacle with him. I'm out there with him. When he's walking down the hallway, I'm right behind him. When I'm, whenever he's got to eat, I'm going to be eating with him. Whenever I'm going to make sure Jesus is taken care of in this tabernacle, right? 
The Bible says that there is a tabernacle, a temple of the Holy Spirit in this last days. And who is that? That's the church. That's you. And Samuel was making sure his high priest had every need met. He was serving him diligently, faithfully, when no one else did. He was caring for his high priest. How are you caring for Jesus today? And where was he doing it? He was doing it in the tabernacle. And how do we do that today in in this day and age? The tabernacle, the temple of the Holy Spirit, is these people across this aisle right here. It's not this building. This building will burn when Jesus comes back. It will age. It will age out. But you will never fade. You will never die if you have Jesus Christ, right? And so how can I serve the Lord before the high priest in the temple of God? How can I bless you and you and you? How can I encourage you and so doing encourage the Lord? How can I love on you and in so doing love the Lord? How can I be faithful to help you help meet your needs and so therefore be meeting the needs of the Lord? It's like Samuel polishing and sweeping. And it's all before the Lord in the tabernacle. And so many times Christians, we come to church and we want to do our thing. We want to come into church and and come here for my word and my song service and my pastor to preach to me and my needs. And and then I will give to the Lord in in the offering so he can make sure I'm blessed. What about somebody else? What about being a part of a family, a temple, a body of the Holy Spirit where you're a brick and you're a brick and you're a brick and we all make one beautiful picture before God and we all begin to serve one another and bless one another and sacrifice one another and love one another and say, wow, if you're going through it, I'm going through it. If you're weeping, I'm weeping. If you're rejoicing, I'm rejoicing with you. I'm going to encourage you, exalt you, and and bless you. And that's where we find Samuel in step two, how he's going to hear from God. Because number one, he puts on the priestly robe. And we're to put on Jesus Christ, his salvation, his righteousness, his right standing with God. And let him take our old dirty rags. And then number two is to minister to the Lord before the high priest in the tabernacle. If you want to hear God speak, make sure you're in a position to hear him. Make sure you're in love with what he's in love with. Because God the Father loves his son. And God the Father sent his son to die for the church. And if we care nothing about what God cares about, and we won't be entrusted to do something, God wants to give you a word, but if you'll not do with that word what he wants you to do with it, why would he give it to you? If he gives you this awesome word to do great and awesome things, the great and awesome things that God wants to do is through his local church. It's not just to bless you so you could get out of this or get out of that or feel better. He's going to bless you so it will exalt Jesus Christ, the high priest. He's going to bless you so it will build his glorious church. You see, it's not about me and you. I'm just a brick on the wall. I'm just a person who is, I'm here to magnify Jesus Christ, the high priest, the one I will sing praises about for all eternity. It's not about this life and getting a good life here. It's about saying, Lord, how can I, with what little I have, this poor little man in Louisiana, with little resources and little tools and little giftings and little ability, how can I take what little I have and say, Lord, I exalt your name. I worship you. I praise you. Take whatever I've got. It's yours. That's what God is looking. He's looking for people like Samuel who are focused on ministering to the Lord even when it's inconvenient, even when nobody else is, Samuel took up the slack 
like so many believers, ignoring the cries of Jesus. So all of those sons were ignoring their father's cries at night. It shouldn't have been Samuel. Any good son should have met their father in the bed at night. An old man getting near his deathbed, that son should have been right there. And they weren't. So many Christians ought to be ready to, Jesus, yes, Lord. Yes, I'll sign up for that. Yes, Lord, send me. Yes, Lord, I'll give. Yes, Lord, I'll, I'll be there when the church needs me. Yes, Lord. But Samuel was. Samuel was. He was so caught up in ministering to the Lord. You know, church, it's not for professional pastors. It's not for professional priests. God is calling lay people like Samuel. You say, well, my dad wasn't a pastor. Mine wasn't either. Well, I didn't grow up in church. Oh, well, Samuel didn't grow up with his mom either. He didn't grow up with his dad either. He was in a place where shouldn't have been no revival. He should have been spiritually lit. He could have fallen in the same trap that, that the sons of Eli did. He could have looked up to those guys as big brothers. He could have been out there with them, following what they did. Maybe you didn't have that in your home. Maybe you, maybe you did have a, an alcoholic father, an abusive father, or a drug-infested home. God's calling lay people. And all you need is to put on Jesus' robes and say, Lord, yes, I'm there. Whenever you need me. Amen? First Peter chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same purpose. you got a purpose. And he says, He who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin to, not only to, as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. It says, You've got a purpose. No longer for your flesh, but you've got a purpose in God's house, His body, for His will. And it says, For the time has already passed that is sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles. It says that when you come into this thing called Christianity and you give your life to Jesus Christ, that was enough time to live in sin. Now you've got time to live for Jesus. Amen? The time has been sufficient. Samuel got that. He said, I'm not my life. I'm, that's not my life. I, my life is all into Jesus. And so he put on righteousness. He ministered the Lord. And then he kept the fire. He kept the fire. This is my favorite part. He's growing in righteousness. He's growing in the Lord, right? And so the, let's, let's think about this story for a second. Okay, so he's put, he's put Eli to bed, right? And so he's put Eli to bed when his son should have done it. He's got his little robe on, uh, his little ephod on, and he's, he's ministering to the Lord. He's growing in the Lord. But he, yet he hasn't really heard God yet. Like so many Christians today, they've read the Bible, they committed their life to the Lord, they're going to church, they're volunteering, and they're doing some great and awesome things, and the church couldn't be where they are without them because we need kids workers and ushers and greeters and door people and outreach teams and small group leaders and missions givers, and, and all. we need all that stuff. And Samuel's like that. But he hadn't really heard from God yet, like so many today. We hadn't really felt that, that, uh, that fire burning inside of us. And so Samuel puts Eli to bed, goes in. He shuts the tabernacle doors. He shuts the compound doors because, you know, the sons didn't do it. He shuts it all in, and Samuel gets shut in with God. You ever heard the term, let's get shut in with God before? Those who grew up in old school Pentecost probably did. You get shut in with God. That's a term I wish we'd still use. Samuel got shut in with God. And the Bible says that Samuel laid before the presence of God in the tabernacle where the ark was. Now, some people think Samuel actually went to his bed because in in, uh, in the tabernacle area, you had this main room, where the, uh, the smaller room where the ark was, and there was a curtain. And then before that room, 
you had a larger room where there would be a golden lampstand, there would be a table of, of where bread was and some uh, wine, and then you'd have an altar of incense there, and that was kind of where the ministry was done before the Lord, and only the high priest would go in once a year past the curtain to where the ark was. But priests could go in in that front room, but only priests and nobody else. Think about that. Nobody else. Okay. Samuel... While everyone has forgotten about the presence of God and Eli is too weak and feeble and not spiritually minded to go do anything anymore, Samuel, this is Heath Harris theology, this is me, okay? I believe Samuel went into that place catching up on all the things that nobody else had been doing. And I believe he was cleaning, organizing, making sure everything was right and sweeping or whatever he had to be doing because he shut the doors and he's in there alone. And it's, it's, it's evening. The Bible says uh, in Exodus that Moses commanded when they built this golden lamp. How many people have seen a menorah? You're right. It's a one lamp with seven on it, right? Seven. Okay. Uh, this would have been an oil lamp where they would have filled it with olive oil and lit it, and it would stay. And the Bible says it's to stay on all the time. And every uh, afternoon and every morning, you're to trim the wicks and refill it. And the Bible actually commands... God says in Exodus 27, 20, that that fire shall never go out. It is a rule. You can never go out. It should always be maintained, refueled, and trimmed to burn because it lit up the area of the presence of God, and it represented truth in God's light. Okay, now just follow with me. Samuel goes in, I think, because in the afternoon, I think the lamp was getting dull, just like the spiritual environment around him. I think he put Eli off to bed early. You know, 6.30 for some of us is good to go, right? And so he's, he's going in the afternoon. And so I think Samuel refilled that lamp. And I think he was there before the presence of God ministering and continued to minister so much that he fell asleep before the presence of God, before the veil in the tabernacle. When no one else cared, Samuel was ministering to the Lord. He was shut in with God in a secret place of his presence. In that moment, Samuel was the closest person to God in all of Israel. Think about that. When no one else cared to get close to the presence of God, Samuel kept the fire burning. Think about that. Samuel kept the fire burning. This was a huge responsibility, no doubt, for a little teenager but he shuts the door, he trims the wick, he refills the lampstand. He, somehow, maybe he made a mat there. And he didn't retire to bed, but he was staying in the holy place, sleeping under the light of God. Maybe he was staying up praying. Maybe he was concerned about the light of God. Maybe, maybe it was one of the first times. We don't know. But he, I would be nervous if the word of God said, this shall never go out. And you're the one to refill it. Don't you know? I'd be sitting there thinking, you know. Okay, that flickered a little bit. The wind's blowing. I'll make sure there's nothing. I mean, because if the Lord said, don't ever let this go out, and you're in charge of it, he would have been like, oh, Lord. And I probably would have stayed there all night, too, just to be honest, just because if it's on my duty and on my watch list, I'm going to make sure I don't get zapped. Right? I mean, you with me? So he's there. He's ministered to the Lord. I think he was concerned about the fire. And he was there in the lamp of God. And he began to fall asleep, and God began to speak. And he didn't know. And just like sometimes in my life, I have had more mistakes than successes. 
I've heard God speak, and there have been countless times where I have not acted upon it. Because as a young person, growing to hear the Word of God, or maybe it's something that's going to stretch me. And I don't know, man, is that God? I'm going to really be sure, because I'm going to be looking really foolish if I go over there and do that, or act like that, or I buy that, or I sell that, and I, that wasn't God. And like I said, there's been multiple times I've, people on the street, and God would prick my heart and go to it. And, and as a young pastor, I was just like... Ah, I don't know. Is that indigestion? Is that pizza? Is it, what is that? I mean, I feel it, but it could just be me. Maybe it's just me. And, you know, even this week, I was on the way home. Uh, I'll just be honest. I'm, here we are, open, open book, right? I was on the way home from something from Alexandria this week, doing some ministry, and um, I came back and I stopped at the Pollock uh, gas station. What is that? Grant One Stop or whatever it is. And I fill up in the church van, you know, so you got to be careful how you drive in the church van, right? Because you got your name on it and the phone number and all that. So I pull up, and uh, <clears throat> I pull up, I'm pumping gas. And just to be honest, sometimes you have deja vu, and you know, the, you know what I'm talking about? I pull up, and there's people pull up right beside me. And I just had this real weird sense of, I've been here before. Something is weird about this. And I'm not saying deja vu is the Lord speaking to you, because I'm just... That's a psychological thing, right? Well, this guy gets out, and I look, and the lady in the passenger seat has a neck brace on. She's kind of fidgeting with it, an older lady, had a neck brace on. And I'm thinking, this looks real familiar, but I'm trying to get back to Gina, and things are going on. And so I'm pumping gas, and I'm, and I'm, I'm training myself as a, as a man of God to hear God's voice at any time. God speak to me. And so I'm thinking there, I'm thinking, ah, should I go pray with this lady? Is this something God put in my heart? I'm actually thinking about it. And I'm going, I'm thinking, her husband goes in. I'm thinking, and all the things that ever could come into your mind, she's going to think I'm trying to rob her for money. I'm going to be knocking on that window. She's going to pull out a gun. This is Louisiana. You never know what's going to happen. Pink little revolver in my face. You know, cops over here. You know, like there's things, or she's going to think I'm a creeper, or I'm asking for money. Her husband's going to come out, I'm going to get tackled. Whatever it's going to be, there's just things in my mind. And so I wait for like five minutes. I pump my gas. I put the gas back in. I'm thinking, all right, God, you need to speak. I take the trash. I'm any trash around here. Can I just find a quarter on the ground? What am I? I'm waiting for the Lord to speak. I'm thinking her husband goes in to pay, and I'm thinking I better do this either before or after he gets here. Finally, I just say, you know what, mighty man of God, Heath Harris, just go over there and pray with the lady. I mean, come on, what is she going to do? And so, you know, I go over there and I knock on the window and I say, hey, I'm a pastor. I saw you just fidgeting with this. Can I just pray for you? And you know, you know what? She didn't yell or scream or blow a rape whistle or mace me. She, she said, oh, yes, please. I just got back from the doctor. I'm gonna... And so, you know, there are times we just need to be in a place where we say, God, Keep the fire burning in my heart. Keep the flame burning. I want to be in shut in with God and say, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. And God is gracious. Church, listen. God spoke four times to get the message across. Samuel, well, I don't know if that's God or not. Is that pizza? Is that, I mean, I don't know, God. As Samuel, I'm talking to you. Samuel, and finally the fourth time he got it. Don't beat yourself up if you miss it. Just say, Lord, I'm listening. Keep my mind focused on you. I want to be shut in with the Holy Spirit. Lord, keep that flame burning in my heart that the Spirit of God will be revelation to me. And finally, Samuel has his personal encounter with God in chapter 3, verse 7. And Samuel was ready to receive. And the Bible says in verse 10 that the Lord stood there. You know what that means? Whenever we see the Lord stand somewhere, 
Now, we don't know if that was a visible manifestation, but spiritually speaking, when the presence of God stands somewhere, that is a term we use for the Shekinah glory of God showing up in somebody's life. It means like the Lord descended upon the mountain with Moses and the glory shone around. That I believe in that moment when he said, yes, Lord, I know this is you speaking. I'm ready to respond. That the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon Samuel. Because from that moment, Samuel left that place with a different anointing than when he went in. And the Bible says that he came out and the Spirit of God showed up, not in his life, but in the temple from then on. And people knew from that moment on that the Spirit of God was with this little boy. And he continued to grow in the Lord. And he grew as a priest and a prophet and the last judge of Israel. Ended up anointing the first king. And even on to David, the, most, the best king Israel ever had, like Jesus Christ. An illustration of Jesus Christ. That's Samuel. Now, what would have happened, church, if he said, you know what? I'm not a priest. I'm not supposed to be a priest. I don't, I'm not supposed to wear that robe. I can't go into the holy place of God. It's not my job to keep the fire burning. I'm not a professional pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a missionary. I'm just a little old Samuel. Or maybe I can follow into Eli's son. They look like some good guys. And if Eli likes them, and that's what they're supposed to be, and maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. And so we could look at all these excuses in our life and say, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a church leader. I'm just a middle old me. But here, church, what God can do throughout Scripture with little old people, little old little boys, when these mighty men of God should have been caring for the things of God, he stepped up. Teenagers, God can do some crazy awesome thing through some teenagers. I don't care what stage of life, what your gifts, what your, what your abilities are. If you would be a person that would say, Lord, I'm going to take off my filthy garments. I'm going to put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to minister to the Lord in his body, the church, the temple of God before the high priest. And then I'm going to devote time to getting shut in with God and keep the fire of God burning in my life that God's truth would be revealed to me. And then I'm going to go out from that place. The Bible says that Samuel uh, received the word from God. He boldly declared it in love. He, was, he didn't really want to give it, but he gave it in love and boldness to Eli. And then it says that he opened the doors of the tabernacle. That's very important. That he opened the way back in where people could then now experience the Spirit of God. God had not been showing up for some time in Israel, but now Samuel, because he had a personal revival and in his life, now people around him could have a personal revival in their life too. Maybe that's what God wants to use with some little old people like us who don't have much, who don't have, we ain't got the best education maybe or the best finances. We're in the middle of nowhere, Louisiana might be, some might say. But we could say, Lord, I'm going to get shut in with you. And I believe that, God, you can speak to me like you spoke to Samuel, but I'm going to keep the fire burning and wait and say, Lord, here I am. Your servant is listening. And then he can come. And the glory of God can descend in your life and start something new in your family in this area. Somebody say amen. 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 God is speaking to young people, to lay people, to all people. If we'll just put on His righteousness, minister to His body, the church, and never let the fire of His Holy Spirit go out. Ephesians 5, and I close with this, says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. We're all sometimes a little asleep, like Eli. We're actually asleep in the spiritual sense. But he says, Awake spiritually, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. 
Note that. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but those who are wise, like, like Samuel would see those other men who should have been doing what he was doing. But he says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what God wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine. That's going to ruin your life. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Like those ten virgins waiting on Jesus Christ. They had to keep their lamps full. You and I to church. I don't care what the world is doing around us. It doesn't matter what your mom or dad did or did not do. It doesn't matter what the status of your life is or, or should be. If we would just say, God, I'm putting on Jesus Christ's robes of righteousness. God, I'm devoting myself to ministering to the high priest in his church, the body, and this, these people around me. And I'm going to shut myself in with the presence of God until the glory of God touches my life. Because I want to go to this place changed. I want to go to the next season of my life changed. You don't have to. It, it, you don't need Pastor Heath. You need Jesus Christ. You don't need sanctuary worship team, how awesome they are. You don't need the programs of our church. You need the fire of God to descend in your life and say, Lord, I need personal revival to do what he's called me to do. Amen?